I wanted to assign some homework for you. Would you do it? Homework? Inshallah. Of course, inshallah. That's what I want to hear. It's not that difficult. Okay? We read in Surah Az-Zumar about the importance of listening to the Qur'an and the effect of listening to the Qur'an on one's heart and not just on one's heart but also on one's skin and how listening to the Qur'an attentively, paying attention to the Qur'an when listening to it, this is what brings about change in a person. So Surah Az-Zumar is one of the very powerful, strongest surahs of the Qur'an. And as I mentioned to you earlier, that this surah, the contents are not complicated, they're not difficult to understand. What the surah requires from us is contemplation. Many questions are asked, and we are invited to reflect and contemplate. So your homework is to listen to the recitation of Surah Az-Zumar, beginning to end, in one sitting. Can you do that? And I don't mean when you're driving. And I don't mean listen when you are cooking, or when you're folding laundry, or when you are writing your assignment. I don't know how people do that, by the way. They're listening to one thing, they're writing something else. Alright? Anyway, so listening to the entire surah, beginning to end, alright, preferably in one sitting. If, however, you're not able to, given your schedule, then break it up maximum in two sittings. Alright? So... Can you do that? Inshallah. So by the end of this week, so for next class, I want you to have done this homework. Don't wait for the assignment or anything like that. Do it over the week. Inshallah. Alright? And we will post some uh, reflection questions. Alright? And inshallah you can answer those questions at the end of your listening. Okay? Inshallah. Let's begin our lesson. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Surat Ghafir or Surat Mu'min. The surah has both of these names. Ghafir meaning one who forgives and Mu'min as in a believer. And the surah is called Ghafir because at the beginning of the surah the attribute of Allah Ghafir is mentioned. And in the surah is also the story of the Mu'min, Rajulum Mu'min, the believing man from the court of Fir'aun who believe in Musa alayhi salam. So that story is also mentioned in the surah. From Surah Al-Mu'min to Surah Al-Ahqaf, there are seven surahs. This group of surahs, all of these seven surahs, they begin with the words Hamim. They begin with the huruf muqatta'at Hamim. And this is why this group of surahs is known as Sab'a Hawamim. Sab'u Hawamim, the seven Hamims or Dawatu Hamim, those having Hamim or Hamimat or Alu Hamim. Alright, all of these names are given. So this group of surahs is known as Hamimat Al Hamim. In Bukhari also there is a narration in which Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu is mentioned, and in that narration the term Hawamim is used to refer to this group of surahs. So we see that this term, Hawamim, which is used for this group of surahs, is not something that was given later. Rather, this existed at the time of the Sahaba even. The Prophet ﷺ said, this is a Hassan hadith from Jami' al-Saghir, that Al-Hawamimu rawdatun min riyad al-Jannah. That the Hawamim surahs are a garden from the gardens of paradise. In another narration, 
which is also a Hassan narration from Jami' al-Saghir, that Al-Hawamim Dibaj al-Qur'an. The Hawamim surahs are the Dibaj, meaning the silk as an adornment of the Qur'an. And there are many other narrations also, which mention the fadilah, the virtue, the benefits of the significance of these surahs, but most of these narrations are actually weak or they're fabricated. However, these two narrations that I've mentioned before you, they are, they qualify as hasan. These surahs, all of these seven surahs, they are makki. Alright, they are makki. They all begin with the mention of the high status of the Qur'an. So hamim, huruf muqattaat, and immediately after, something about the Qur'an is mentioned to remind us of the high status of the Qur'an. We see that in all of these seven surahs, either Musa salam is mentioned, or his people, the Bani Israel are mentioned, or his dealing with Fir'aun is mentioned. So we see that the story of Musa salam is either mentioned directly, or it's referred to, either it's mentioned in detail, or it is alluded to. Musa salam is mentioned in these surahs. Why? Why do you think so? Because Musa salam, each time his story is mentioned, one main lesson is the focus, which is da'wah. How to convey the message of Allah. Because Musa salam, he was sent to Bani Israel, who were the most difficult nation. And also he was sent to Fir'aun, who was the most arrogant person. And his mission was also very difficult. It was very long. We see that a time period he spent in Egypt, and another time period he spent with the Bani Israel in the desert. So there are so many lessons regarding da'wah, regarding calling people to Allah, and sabr and istiqama and having faith and being strong and not giving up that can be learned from the story of Musa salam. And we see that since all of these seven surahs are actually makki, of course the theme is going to be of da'wah. And this is why we see that in all of these seven surahs, there is a great emphasis on da'wah ilallah. How to call people to Allah. What are the different ways? What are the strategies? What are the do's and the don'ts? They are mentioned in these surahs. Also, another feature of these surahs is that they emphasize the importance of unity and warn against division. We also see this theme in these surahs. Many other amazing things which inshallah we will look at as we study these surahs. So let's begin. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Hamim. Huruf muqattaat. Tanzilul kitabi. Revelation of the book. Meaning, tanzil. Revelation coming down of what? Of Al-Kitab, of the book which is before you, meaning the Qur'an. It is from who? It is min Allah. It is from Allah who is Al-Aziz, the exalted in might, Al-Alim, the knowing. The Qur'an is no ordinary book. It is a book that is from Allah and who is Allah? Al-Aziz, exalted in might. The one who is ghalib. The one who has the power of authority, of control, of wealth, of ability. The one who is above everything and everyone. He is aziz, owner of might. And he is alim, the knowing one. Whose knowledge is kamil. It is complete. It is perfect. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has many names and many attributes. One of them is al-alim. Alimul Ghaib, Alimul Ghaibi wa Shahada, Al Alim. And there are many other names and attributes of Allah which 
tell us about his vast knowledge his vast and complete knowledge so when we're talking about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge remember that allah's knowledge is kamil what does kamil mean that which is complete and perfect it is shamil what does shamil mean all inclusive meaning there is nothing except that it is included it is within allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge allah's knowledge is azali meaning since forever so there is nothing that allah is unaware of because his knowledge is azali meaning since forever since the beginning since always so there is nothing at all that Allah is unaware of. You see, there are many things that we are unaware of. Why? Because we weren't there. We didn't witness it. We weren't present. We missed it. We missed it because we weren't there. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-awwal. Right? So His knowledge is from the beginning. It is al-azali. Then it is abadi. Abadi meaning for always. So there is nothing that will happen except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about it. Also if you think about it, what happens with us is that we learn something today, but after a week we forget it. Isn't it? With the passage of time, we forget it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is abadi. Abadi as in for always, so there is no nisyan, there is no forgetfulness. Allah does not forget anything. Azali indicates that there is no jahl. There is no ignorance. Meaning there is nothing that Allah is unaware of. And abadi indicates that there is nothing that Allah forgets. We see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is such that it encompasses zaman and makan. All times, zaman, all times. So the past, the present and the future. And also makan as in every place. There is no place except that whatever is going on, whatever is within it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about it. So Allah is Al-Alim, whose knowledge cannot be compared with anybody else's knowledge. No matter how much somebody knows, Allah knows more. No matter what there is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about it. This is Al-Alim. He is the one who sent this kitab. Then is there anything in this book that could be doubted? Is there anything in this book that we could have you know, doubts about? No way. Every statement of this book is reliable. It is 100% factual. Is there anything in this book which we could think is harmful? No way. Everything that is mentioned in this book is beneficial. Why? Because this book is from Al-Aziz Al-Alim. The Almighty, exalted in might, the most supreme, and Al-Alim, the all-knowing, from whom nothing is hidden. So realize what this book is. Learn it, read it, understand it, with this in mind, that this is the book of Allah. Who is Allah? He is غافر الذنبي وقابل التوبي شديد العقابي we see four attributes mentioned over here in this part of the ayah. Firstly, غافر dhambi That Allah is the forgiver of sins. غافر, one who forgives. And غافر is from غفر. Right? غفر. غفرة is to cover something. It is a sitr wal wiqaya. It is to conceal 
and protect. Concealment and protection. Maghfirah, forgiveness, is after sin. Meaning when a person sins, he makes a mistake, he does something wrong, and then he seeks forgiveness from Allah. What does it mean we're seeking forgiveness from Allah? That, oh Allah, conceal our sins and protect us from our sins also. Conceal them, hide them for they are ugly, they are embarrassing, there is regret in my heart for what I did, so conceal it because thinking about it, looking at it is even embarrassing. Talking about it is something that's very difficult. Hearing about it is also very difficult to bear. So conceal, sitr, walwiqaya, protection. When do we need protection? When something could harm us. Do our sins harm us? Yes. Definitely they will harm a person in the hereafter. But in this world, our mistakes, do they harm us? Yes. If you think about it, one test that you perhaps did not do that well on, in some course, in some course in high school maybe, and as a result, your percentage dropped significantly. And as a result of that, you couldn't apply in the program that you wanted to. And as a result, you couldn't pursue the degree that you wanted. And as a result of that, you couldn't pursue the career that you wanted. See the impact? See the impact. It happens, right? This is real life. This is real life. And this is just tests. Sins. Disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Falling short in our duty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does that have consequences? Does that have ramifications in this life? Definitely they do. But you see, an exam in high school that we didn't do well on. Maybe we don't have another chance to go back and fix. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe we might think it's too late. Maybe we're not given that option. Maybe we tried twice or thrice, but it just never worked. But when it comes to a sin... When you ask Allah for forgiveness, you're asking Him to protect you from the consequences of your own sins. That, oh Allah, don't let the sin that I committed today harm me, haunt me, hurt me tomorrow. Don't let this hurt me next year. Don't let this hurt me five years from now. Save me from its consequences in this life and the next. This is maghfirah. And who is Allah? He is ghafir al-dhamb. One who forgives sin. Then isn't it easy to seek forgiveness? Knowing that sins can actually be forgiven? Ghafir al-dhamb. And notice the word dhamb is a sin that has consequences. And Dhamb is general. Any sin, big or small. Big or small, serious or minor. A lot or a little. Whatever sin, Allah is ghafiri dhamb. And He is waqabili tawb. He is also acceptor of repentance. Qabil. From the root letters, qaf, ba, lam. Qabul. To accept. Right? And qabil is one who accepts. So He is the acceptor of a tawb. Of the repentance. Meaning when the servant repents to Allah, then Allah accepts his repentance. Whatever that sin is. Meaning whatever sin a person is repenting from, Allah accepts repentance. Whether that sin is great or it is small. Whether it is a lot or it is a little. He is qabili tawb. Ghafiri dhambi wa qabili tawbi. At the same time, Allah is Shadid al-Iqabi. Shadid, one who is severe. 
inqab. Iqab is penalty. It's from the root letters Ain Qaf Ba. Aqaba to follow. You see the word aqib is used for heel also, the heel of the foot. Because where is it? At the back of your foot. It's there. So iqab is penalty. Meaning when someone does something wrong, they're guilty of it. It wasn't an accident. And even though they made that accident, they, they, they didn't seek forgiveness, they didn't apologize, then what is necessary? Penalty. So iqab, penalty for who? For those who persist in their sin and do not repent. So Allah is shadeed al-iqab, severe in punishment. The punishment that is from Allah is not like the punishment that could be from somebody from the creation. It's far more serious. Allah is shadeed al-iqab. Dhittawl. He is possessor of at-tawl. Tawl from the root letters ta waw lam. Tawl from the same root is the word tool also. And tool is, you know, the length of something. Alright? Tawil is also used for a person who's very tall. Alright? High, tall. Alright? So, tawl means vastness, abundance. Alright? And it refers to wealth. It refers to material means, affluence. And with that, power also. So Allah is the tawl, meaning the owner of abundance. The one whose treasures are unlimited. The one whose resources are unlimited. But a tawl doesn't just mean one who has a lot, one who's rich. It also means one who shows a lot of favor. One who is very, very generous. This is the tawl. So Allah, He is the bestower of abundant grace. He is most generous to His servants. He grants them ongoing blessings. Even when they have sinned, He gives them. Even when they have repented from their sins, He gives them. He is the giver of blessings. Is there anyone like Him who forgives sins, accepts repentance, is severe in punishment, and He gives most generously? Is there anyone like Him? No way. La ilaha illahu. There is no God worthy of worship except Him. Why? Because there is no being that is like Him. No one is similar to Allah in attributes. In action, no one at all. Think about it. Even as people, the most loving people, the most generous people, the most caring people. Take for instance a mother. A mother, when she gets hurt, when she gets offended, does she keep grudges in her heart? Oh yeah. Maybe a mother will say she doesn't, but she does. Because even 20 years later, she will remind her child maybe about something the child did when he was little. Human beings, right? Where she's so loving, she's also weak. She's not able to forgive. She's not able to overcome her hurt. She's not able to do that because she's been hurt. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is ghafir al-dhamb, qabil al-tawb, shadeed al-iqab. Then we see that people who are very forgiving, they cannot punish. We become so merciful, so gentle, so lenient that we don't have the strength to hold someone accountable. We either become too strict or too lenient. Why? Because we are creation. We have weaknesses. 
And every creation is like that. Allah, He is not creation. He is Khaliq of that creation. He is different from that creation. So this is why Allah's attributes are the most unique and the most perfect. Such that none shares those attributes with Him. And this is why, لا إله إلا هو. There is no God other than Him. There is no God worthy of worship, deserving worship except Him. إِلَيْهِ الْمَصِيرِ To Him is the return. To Him is the destination. Because He sent us and He is going to call us back. He sent us here, He created us for a reason. He's testing us and after this test, the return is to Him where there will be judgment. And He is the judge. غَافِرِ الذَّنْبُ وَقَابِلِ التَّوْبُ شَدِيدِ الْعِقَابِ ذِي الطَّوْلِ He is the judge. This ayah, a short ayah, but it has so many attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So many, so many things that we can learn from this ayah. The first thing we learn in this ayah is the fact that our Lord is the forgiver of sins. This is something that was mentioned at the end of Surah Al-Zumar also. That, لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ Even if a person has committed israf against himself, الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ And you see, أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ It also implies someone who's committed sin excessively. Meaning, every possible sin, every possible wrong action, they've done it. They've done it. Too many bad things. But still Allah is غَافِرِ الذَّنْبِ He is the forgiver of sins. When? When the servant repents to Allah. When the servant seeks forgiveness from Allah. When the servant performs good deeds with faith. Then what happens? The servant is forgiven for his sins. Sometimes... When he seeks forgiveness, when he says, Astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayh, Oh Allah, forgive me for this sin. And sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives the servant because of the servant's good deeds. Without even the servant asking him to forgive. You understand? One way is that we say, Oh Allah, forgive me. The other is that a servant doesn't even say, Oh Allah, forgive me. Why? He didn't even realize he did something wrong. Alright? But at the same time that servant is performing good deeds with iman, then what will happen? Allah will forgive him because of his good deeds. But there is a condition, with iman, good deeds with iman, avoidance of major sins. So in Surah Hud, Ayah 114, we learn, Good deeds remove, they take away, they erase bad deeds. Then we see in Surah Al-Ahzab, Ayah 70 and 71, Allah says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَقُولُوا قَوْلًا سَدِيدًا Fear Allah and speak that which is true. Speak that which is correct. Now speaking that which is correct, is it a good deed? Yes, it is. Any right action, proper action, when done with iman, then it is rewarded for. Correct? The next ayah says, يُصْلِحْ لَكُمْ أَعْمَالَكُمْ wa يَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Allah will rectify your deeds for you and He will forgive you your sins. Why forgive you your sins? Are they seeking forgiveness here? The reason for forgiveness is the good deeds. Allah is غَافِرِ الذَّنْبِ He is the forgiver of sins. The most generous in forgiving. In Surah Ali Imran Ayah 31, we are told, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ 
dhunubakum. You follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You follow his sunnah. What will happen? Allah will love you and he will also forgive you your sins. So again, forgiveness is because of good deeds. You understand? Because when a person is performing good deeds, he is going towards who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And because of those good deeds, the sins are erased. And we see that even if a person has committed an action like kufr, even if a person has committed an action like shirk, if a person seeks forgiveness from Allah, that, oh Allah, forgive me for this shirk, forgive me for this kufr, then is it too hard for Allah to forgive? No way. No way. In Surah Al-Anfal, Ayah 38, Ayah 38, and remember Surah Al-Anfal was revealed after which battle? The battle of Badr. Alright? Who was the enemy? It was the people of Makkah who had persecuted, rejected, opposed the Prophet ﷺ for 13 years. And now that he was in Medina, they didn't leave him. They came to fight him. They came to kill him. These people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ يَنْتَهُوا يُغْفَرُ لَهُمْ مَا قَدْ سَلَفُ Tell those who have disbelieved and who have come to fight the Prophet ﷺ in their disbelief, if they stop, if they stop what they're doing, meaning they stop their opposition to the Prophet ﷺ, they stop their kufr, meaning they believe, then what will happen? يُغْفَرُ لَهُمْ مَا قَدْ سَلَفْ Whatever they have done so far will be forgiven. All those years of persecution and denial, all of that will be forgiven. This is who Allah is. He is غافر الذنب. غافر الذنب. So never ever think a sin that you've committed, a wrong action that you've committed is too big for Allah to forgive. Not at all. In a hadith we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ibadi, innakum tukhti'una bil-layli wal-nahar. O my servants, you all sin, you all make errors by night and by day. Every night, every day, you make mistakes. وَأَنَا أَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا And I forgive all sins. فَاسْتَغْفِرُونِي So seek forgiveness from me. Apologize to me. Seek forgiveness from me. And أَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ I shall forgive you. So no matter what has been done, if you want forgiveness, you ask Allah for forgiveness and you will find him ghafir al-dhamb. You will find him forgiver of sins. The second thing that we learn in this ayah is that Allah is qabil al-tawb. He is the acceptor of repentance. He accepts the repentance of his servants. What is repentance? That a person realizes that this particular action that I've been doing or that I'm doing is wrong. This is not correct. Why is it wrong? Allah does not approve of it. This is something that goes against Allah's laws, His directives. So a person recognizes the action is wrong. And as he realizes that this is wrong, the heart is filled with some form of regret or some form of remorse. I shouldn't have done this. Why did I do this? I feel so bad. I feel horrible. All this time I've been doing this wrong stuff. What was I thinking? Why didn't I get it? Why did I listen to shaitan? You understand? So regret, remorse. And then, tawbah is that a person stops that action also. He stops it. He doesn't continue with it. 
He does not continue with it. You see, for example, one is that, you know, you buy some pizza sauce. Okay, you buy some pizza sauce, you didn't really look at the ingredients, you just saw the label, yeah, it's the same brand, you just brought it home without even reading, without even checking. Alright, you came home, you opened it, you put it on your pizza, and the pizza's in the oven, and then somebody just comes and they look at the can, and they're reading, and they're like, this has meat in it. And you're like, huh? It has meat in it? Oh my God, what did I do? Why didn't I check? Astaghfirullah. But then... Take that pizza out and get rid of it. You understand? Don't say that, oh, I worked so hard. All that dough and all those toppings and all that work and I'm hungry and I can smell the pizza. This actually happened with us once. And it didn't just have meat in it, it actually had pork in it. Subhanallah. Somebody brought it from the store without checking. You know when you're in a rush, you just see that typical label, you just grab it and you put it in. The pizza's in the oven. (laughs) Alright? So then... What do you have to do at that time? You have to stop that wrong action. You understand? You can't justify it by saying, oh, but I've been doing this and you know, it's almost done. No, you can't justify it. No more excuses. You stop it right there. This is part of tawbah. And then tawbah is that you also learn a lesson from it. And what's that lesson? That this was wrong, I better not do it again. So next time you're buying pizza sauce, check, read. Alright? This is tawbah. So Allah is qabili tawb. He is the acceptor of repentance. When the servant leaves the sin and sincerely turns to Allah in obedience, then Allah will accept his repentance. What if that sin that he was doing was shirk? Associating partners with Allah, calling upon other than Allah. Because we know that inna shirka lazulmun azim, right? It's the greatest sin, it's the worst sin, it's the most destructive sin. What if it's that sin? Will Allah forgive that? If a person repents from it? Yes. What's the proof for it? In Surah Tawbah. And Surah Tawbah was revealed when? When was it revealed? Hmm? Yes. So around the expedition of Tabuk, right? Hajjatul Wada. So you're talking about the time after the conquest of Makkah. You understand? After the conquest of Makkah. So these are people who have opposed the Prophet ﷺ for 13 years in Makkah. And then right now, 8-9 years in Medina. And they're still upon their shirk. You understand? Meaning when the Prophet ﷺ was in Medina, they were in Makkah, they were still upon shirk. Makkah is conquered and they're still upon shirk. You understand? On what basis were they on shirk? They had no basis anymore. But still they were upon shirk. Allah says in Surah Tawbah, Ayah 5, regarding those people, فَإِن تَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتَوُوا الزَّكَاةَ فَخَلُّوا سَبِيلَهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ If these people, these criminals, if they repent, if they do tawbah from all of their crimes, and they start praying, and they give zakat, then do not come in their way, because indeed Allah is forgiving and merciful. So even the sin of shirk, if a person repents from it, can Allah forgive? Can Allah accept that repentance? Of course He can. Definitely He can. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Undoubtedly, tawbah, repentance, has a gate, whose width is like the distance between the east and the west. Meaning it's not a small, small gate, that has room for only a few people? No. 
It's a vast gate. The distance is from the east to the west. It has room for everybody. You want to go in through that door of Tawbah? You can. So the distance is like that, which is between the east and the west. This door will not be closed until the sun rises from the west. And this is one of the signs of the Day of Judgment. Correct? So what's the lesson from this hadith? Doesn't matter what sin has been committed. When a person realizes, turn to Allah, seek forgiveness from Him, turn to Him in repentance, and you will find Allah. قَابِلِ التَّوْبِ The Prophet ﷺ said, النَّدْمُ تَوْبَةِ النَّدْم What is nadm? Regret. Regret is repentance. Do you feel bad about the wrong things you've been doing? Do you feel bad about it? If you feel bad about it, that itself is tawbah. So now take it to the next level. Leave it all together. And then take a lesson from what you've been doing so far and try your best not to repeat it again. And ask Allah to give you strength. Ask Allah to give you clarity. So you can tell between what is right and what is wrong. Also in a narration we learn, أَتَّائِبُ مِنَ الذَّنْبِ كَمَا لَا لَهُ The one who repents from a sin is like the one who doesn't have a sin. Because sometimes we think, oh you know what, I have such a bad history. I've done this and this and this and this. You know, I'm a second class or I'm a third class. No. If you've done tawbah, then it's as if you've got no sin in your record. أَتَّائِبُ مِنَ الذَّنْبِ كَمَا لَا so don't look down on yourself just because you did something bad before. Yes, continue to seek forgiveness. Yes, continue to do tawbah. Yes, continue to improve yourself. But don't think less of yourself and don't put yourself down because of your history. Because it's history, it's over. And when we ask Allah for forgiveness, we're asking Him to please conceal our sins and also to protect us from those sins. Those sins have nothing to do with us anymore. There's a complete disconnect now. This is maghfirah. So Allah is ghafir al-dham wa qabil al-tawb. Now the question is, how should a person repent? In a hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, there is no servant who commits a sin and then performs wudu well. And he performs two rak'ah and seeks Allah's forgiveness. Except that Allah will forgive him. What's the way? Do wudu properly, beautifully, and then perform two rak'ah and ask Allah for forgiveness. This hadith is in Abu Dawud. Allah will forgive a person if he does this. What happens is that when we realize we've done something wrong, it bothers us. That feeling of guilt, it just weighs us down. When we've made a mistake, even if it's an honest mistake, meaning we never intended it, it's a mistake after all, it still burdens us. And with that feeling of burden, that heaviness, we cannot feel at peace. We cannot enjoy ourselves. Now what happens is we carry that burden of guilt with us. Sometimes we vent on Facebook maybe, or we will tell somebody about it. We will tell our friend about it. We will tell our sister about it. Or maybe some random stranger about the wrong that we have done. And we think just by telling others, we will feel good. But... True relief will come when you will turn to Allah. So every time a sin bothers you, what's the solution? Go do wudu and pray to rak'ah and ask Allah to forgive you. You don't know how to say, Oh Allah forgive me, just say it in English. Just say, Oh Allah, I'm sorry. 
I am sorry. Whatever you can say, whatever words you can find, just apologize. Because anadmu tawbah. Regret is repentance. In another hadith we learn that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said that kullu bani adam khatta all children of adam they are sinners they make mistakes wa khayrul khattaeen at-tawwabun and the best of those who make mistakes are the ones who repent so what makes us better is not the fact that we have avoided certain sins because the thing is that no matter what we avoid if we avoid one sin we will end up committing another sin because this is our reality we make mistakes we commit sins greatness is because of tauba success is because of tauba this doesn't mean that go and sin so that you can do tauba no what this means is whatever has happened has happened now rise up now get to the next level and repent Make tawbah to Allah. Seek forgiveness from Allah. And if we don't seek forgiveness, then look at the third attribute that's mentioned. Shadeed al-iqab. Allah is severe in penalty. When He forgives sins and He accepts repentance, but still a person does not take advantage, then Allah is severe in penalty. Because Allah is fair. He is just. His penalty is severe. In hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, when the believer commits a sin, a black mark appears on his heart. If he repents, and he gives up that sin, and seeks forgiveness, then that mark is erased. But if he increases in his sin, meaning he doesn't seek forgiveness, he doesn't feel bad, he doesn't do tawbah from it, he doesn't leave the sin, then what will happen? The sin increases, and that mark also increases that mark also increases. So Allah is shadeed al-iqab. And Allah is the tawl, the owner of abundance. The owner of abundance, meaning He gives generously. Because when a servant seeks forgiveness, then Allah doesn't just forgive him, but He also showers him with His mercy. And He gives to even those who sin. And those who repent, He gives them also. In dunya and in akhirah. So then, if Allah is the tawl, who should we trust? Allah. When we are in some difficulty, when we are in some need, when we need assistance, who is it that we should ask? The tawl. The one who actually has a lot and who can give also. Because, have you ever come across people who want to give but they don't have the resources? Yeah? Have you ever come across people who have a lot of resources, but they don't just see the need to give. You understand? Maybe you find that with yourself. That I know that this person is in need, and I can give it to them, because I have the stuff, but I don't want to part from my things. I don't want to part from my money. You understand? Allah is the tawl. He has the wealth, the means, because He is the Creator. He is Al-Ghani. And he is also Al-Wahhab. He also gives. So when you are in need, ask who? Ask Allah. Even if it's something very small that you need, or something that's subtle, something that's hidden, something that's intangible, still ask Allah. So much so, that in Surah Al-A'raf, Ayah 200, 
we are taught that if shaitan pokes you, right, incites you to do something wrong, to say something wrong, doesn't let you say something nice, right? If shaitan is interfering, you find yourself weak, then what should you do? Ask the tawl. Fasta'id billah. Seek refuge with Allah. Seek refuge with Allah against the shaitan. So for every need, big or small, turn towards who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For He is the owner of abundance. The one who gives most generously. In hadith we learn, Abu Musa radiallahu anhu, he reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, that Allah the exalted and glorious stretches out His hand during the night so that the people may repent for the faults that they have committed. Allah stretches out His hand when? During the night. So that people can repent and ask forgiveness for which faults? For the faults that they had committed from the previous day. Alright? From the daytime. And then Allah, He stretches out His hand during the day also. So that people may repent for the sins that they have committed in the night time. He is the tawl. Eager to accept repentance. Eager to forgive. So our Lord is perfect in His adl, perfect in His fadl. He is perfect in His justice, and He is perfect in His generosity also. لا إله إلا هو إليه المصير. There is no running away from Him. So realize that there is no refuge from Allah except with Allah. So go to Him, because sooner or later you have to go to Him. There is a story in which we learn, and this is a story which is mentioned in different books of tafsir. Ibn Abi Hatim also mentions a story that Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu. He had an acquaintance, right? And this person used to live in a different city. And at that time, I mean, if somebody was living in a different city, you wouldn't see them every week or every month or even every year, right? Sometimes years would go by before you would come to see them or they would come to see you, all right? So this particular person, Umar bin Khattab anhu, knew him. He knew Umar anhu also. They were on good terms. And it had been a while since Umar anhu had heard from him. So somebody came from that city and Umar anhu asked him, How is so and so? How is he doing? And he said, Fisharab. He's consuming alcohol. Meaning he's gone astray. It's come to this point that he's indulging in major sins. So Umar bin Khattab anhu, he called his scribe, his professional scribe. And he had him write a letter. And what was that letter? It said, مِنْ عُمَرْ بِنْ خَطَّابْ إِلَى فُلَانْ بِنْ فُلَانْ The name is not mentioned. All right? In the narration, the name is not mentioned. So it is from Umar bin Khattab to so-and-so. Salamu alaykum fa'inni He said, peace be upon you. I glorify Allah, I praise Him. And I declare that there is no God worthy of worship but Him. غَافِرِ الذَّنْبِ وَقَابِلِ التَّوْبِ شَدِيدِ الْعِقَابِ ذِي الطَّوْلِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُ إِلَيْهِ الْمَصِيرِ That's it. He just sent him a letter with this ayah. And then, 
Umar anhu made dua for that man. And those who were present over there, they also made dua for him. That may Allah open up his heart and give him the ability to repent. Everybody made dua, the letter was sent. When the man received the letter and he read the ayah, he said, Allah is ghafir al-dhamb. He has promised me that he will forgive me. He is qabil al-tawb, shadid al-iqab. He is warning me that if I don't repent, his punishment is severe. He is the tawl, he is al-kathir al-khayr, whose good is most abundant. Ilayhi al-masir, there is no escape from him. And the man kept on reading the ayah, and he kept on crying. He kept reciting the ayah, and he kept on crying. And he'd made sincere tawbah. And when Umar anhu, he learned about this, that his friend has repented, he said, this is what you should do if you find someone in error. Encourage him to do tawbah, make dua for him, and do not become an associate to shaitan against your brother. Do not help shaitan against your brother. Genuinely, sincerely want good for your brother. And so remind him. And what words could be more powerful than the words of Allah? So this ayah definitely is very, very effective. It's definitely very heartwarming. It's very encouraging. It's very balanced. It reminds us of reality. And so, it's a good reminder for us and it's also an excellent reminder to share with others. Recitation. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. كتاب من الله العزيز العليم غافر الذنب وقابل التوب شديد العقاب ذي الطول لا إله إلا هو إليه المصير